Welcome to the Just Ingredients Podcast. I'm Cara Lynn, and here we talk all things nourishing to the mind, body, and soul. This is a place where you can find just good ingredients to life. Everyday makeup and skincare often contains ingredients like artificial dyes, formaldehyde releasers, parabens, and phthalates. Switching out so many products can be overwhelming, but I love how easy my favorite clean beauty company makes it for you. The company is called Naked Poppy, and they have a free beauty assessment on their website that will match you with the best makeup and skincare for you. What I love about Naked Poppy is that they do all the work for you, and the products are really, really good. They're test-driven by beauty experts and just like what you'd find at the makeup counter. So you look beautiful, and it's way better for your health. It's so easy and has saved me so much time. Naked Poppy curates the best items from dozens of independent clean brands. Their scientists vet every product at the ingredient level for safety. Everything is 100% cruelty-free, and it looks amazing on. Naked Poppy recommends perfect-for-you products based on things like coloring, skin type, allergies, and beauty goals. Take your free beauty assessment today and get your matches. Go to NakedPoppy.com and get 10% off your order with code CARALYNN. That's K-A-R-A-L-Y-N-N-E. Dr. Bradley Campbell is a holistic physician and runs an integrated holistic clinic just north of Chicago, Illinois. He is finishing 10 degrees in natural health care, utilizing not only traditional chiropractic medicine, but also integrates functional medicine, acupuncture, applied kinesiology, nutrition, and more into his work. He has a passion for helping people be their own best healers through his new online community, Campbell Care. Welcome to the show. Today we have Dr. Bradley Campbell with us. I actually am really excited to talk to him. He has been um, on Instagram, social media, trying to teach people about the immune system, the virus that's been going around, things like that. So thank you, Dr. Campbell, for being here and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to talk to you today. Oh, good. Well, I'm excited to pick your brain about the immune system, viruses, things like that. So why don't you tell my listeners just a little bit more about yourself, your background, and the type of medicine that you currently practice? About myself, I'm a holistic physician based outside of Chicago, Illinois. I run a practice with about five or six different practitioners. We practice truly integrative holistic medicine. So we integrate Eastern and Western. We, I went to acupuncture school and did some Chinese herbal medicines training. I went to the naturopathic and chiropractic school West of Chicago, Illinois. So I have kind of a good background in terms of conventional allopathic medicine, as well as the kind of Western natural medicine and a lot of Eastern medicine. And the way I practice is usually doing a long history and exam on every new patient. And then we dive into lab testing, blood work, hair, functional stool testing, urine testing, um, heavy metal testing, whatever that person needs, whatever they're interested in or curious about. We really try to get to the root cause of their problem, which many call functional medicine, but it's really just good medicine. As you know, (laughs) it's like if you try to figure out why something is happening, that's what a good medical detective does. And unfortunately, a lot of doctors just don't have enough time to do that. So we're able to get outside of the insurance-based model into a cash model and really help people with physical issues, structural issues, causing pain. We're helping them with a lot of stress and sleep, those type of issues. We're also helping mental health issues. We're also helping a lot of people with chronic health conditions, whether it's types of diabetes, autoimmune disorders, heart conditions, um, fatigue, and um, immune system abnormalities. I love it. I love that you find the root cause. I wish all doctors would do that. I understand that that's not the case. Um, But I really believe a lot of our illnesses have a root cause and there's something underlying to the symptoms and we just treat the symptoms a lot of times. So thank you for practicing that and helping people find their root cause. Thank you. I find it's, it's a much more rewarding way to practice and patients love having an answer as to why they're feeling the way they are rather than just throwing a pill or an herb or medication in a problem. It really helps them learn so that they can prevent it from ever happening again or prevent other suffering in their life as well. Well, right. You want to know why you feel crappy or why you're tired or whatever, right? Makes logical sense. Exactly. It does. 
So I want to talk to you today about the immune system and about immunity since it's such a hot topic out in our world today. So let's just start at the basics for my listeners. What exactly is the immune system? So the immune system is a collection of organs inside of our body that help us to differentiate us from other. It basically is the old way of thinking is that it's protecting us from external invasion, almost like we have a castle, our body's a castle, and you're protecting invaders from breaching your walls and invading your body. So that is including your skin, which is like the outside barrier of your castle. It includes your different organs, whether it's your thymus and your spleen, your lymphatic system, which is kind of like the sewer underneath of your castle or your house. So it's basically like there's various organs that play a role and the immune system is all over your body. Um, We'll get into it, I think, a little bit later, but the majority of your immune system function-wise comes from your intestinal tract and your digestion. So it's all over, but basically what it helps you do is process microbes, whether it's bacteria, viruses, parasites, spirochetes like Lyme disease, different forms of what we'd call like invaders or pathogens or allergens as well, like seasonal allergies, cat hair, dog hair, and decides whether or not those things are good for us or bad for us, whether they're friend or foe, and whether we need to include them in our body and our internal ecosystem and adapt to them, like inviting a friend over for dinner, or whether they're like a Game of Thrones enemy who's going to kill everyone at dinner. So that could be like Lyme disease where it's not so friendly. So I'd say that's the general concept. And I think thinking of it as protecting us from good or bad germs or microbes or external influences is probably the best way to think of it. It also would protect us from different chemicals or toxins or you know pesticides and things of that nature as well. That's a great way to explain it for people to understand. So a lot of people think that the immune system is only working when they're sick, but by hearing your explanation, the immune system must always be working then. Yeah, it's definitely always working. We always have a skin that's constantly regenerating. Um, It's beautifully, innately intelligent. We don't have to think about it the same way we don't think about our heart pumping. We don't have to think about taking every breath. We don't think about regenerating a slight cut or a paper cut that we got on our hand. It just does it on its own. We don't really have to think about the various forms of good and bad bacteria, you know, probiotics or bad bacteria inside of our intestines. It just kind of manages itself. So in the same way, we don't think about moving our lymph. We don't think about creating T cells or cells from our thymus or our spleen or our bone marrow. We don't think about flushing our tonsils with fluid and water. We just kind of get thirsty and drink water, which helps our lymphatic system. We move, which helps our lymphatic system, lymphatic system pump. We stretch and have gravity, which activates our bones and our bone marrow. So a lot of it, we don't really have to think about, but it's constantly working, constantly keeping us safe and protected or balanced between what's outside of us and our external ecosystem and our internal ecosystem. Oh, I like that explanation. So talking about all these things just working without us thinking about them, where does antibodies play a role in the immune system? So antibodies, um, there's different forms of antibodies, but an antibody in general is a protein in your blood. It's mostly found in your blood, but it's produced in response to a antigen, which is that foreign pathogen or chemical or invader or toxin of sorts. So if your body perceives something as not you, it will generally make a antibody against it. And sometimes your body creates an antibody against yourself. If you're healing and creating an immune response or an inflammatory immune response against your own tissue, like if you get a bruise or a cut, you get a little bit of a self antibody where you start to heal and repair, create a little inflammation, redness, swelling around a cut to heal it. But in the same way, if you were to have a bunch of dust in an old closet that you're cleaning out and you breathe in a bunch of dust, your body would create antibodies, kind of like a troop or a military soldier or something to bind that dust and then activate an immune response or an inflammatory type of response against that external problem. Your body then would basically create an inflammatory redness. You probably start sneezing. You might get a little red faced. You might get a little like runny eyes or nose, some swelling or edema or fluid to basically flush that external thing out of your system or out of your lymphatic system. And 
excrete it in your sweat or your breath or every pee or every poo is kind of a way to excrete things out of your system. So how do antibodies play a role in defending against viruses then? Antibodies are a way to create a little like label or a flag um, and kind of also, like I mentioned about creating like a troop or a soldier against a certain exterior pathogen or invader. So it's sort of like putting a little scarlet letter on a virus or someone from a certain country or a certain family. And so if you put a little label or a little pin or a little scarlet letter on those things and you have these scouts or these soldiers that are on the lookout for certain viruses or bacteria, it's a way to look out for and flag certain bacteria, viruses, or foreign substances that your body can then detect, become aware of, recognize, and then basically get rid of them or learn how to adapt. Sometimes it encapsulates them. Sometimes it removes them. Sometimes it basically like destroys them and dissolves them. There's various ways that your body handles these external pathogens or invaders, but an antibody is basically a way to have some level of protection and awareness against these external invaders or external substances. That's a great explanation. Our body is so miraculous when you think about all the things that it's just doing on its own without us having to think about any of it. So let me ask you this then. Do some people have a better immune system than others? Some people definitely do have a better immune system than others. In terms of age, children tend to have a better immune system than the elderly. When they're newborn, they're born with their mother's immune system and some of their father's immune system. They're also born with the gut flora of their mother. So as we'll talk about later, about 80% of our immune system comes from the balance of the ecosystem in our digestive tract. So we're born with a lot of our immune system coming from mothers, and then we're exposed to tons of bacteria, viruses, external substances in the real world that we never really had in the the womb of our mother. So as we get exposed to new substances, our body learns whether or not that's harmful or not, whether we develop an allergy or have an immune infectious type of response against these different external substances. And that immune system builds over time. And because children are being exposed to so many new substances, their immune system is learning at a much more rapid pace than an adult would be, say, from 20 to 60 years old. Because adults from 20 to 60, they're not encountering a lot of new material, whereas a child's encountering lots of new material outside themselves. So they're well-practiced, sort of they're exercising that muscle a lot more. So their immune muscles are not super strong when they come out of their mother, but they build up very quickly sort of like you're getting these really buff little like infants and toddlers. If you were to think of their immune system as a muscle, they're like bodybuilders or like the Arnold Schwarzenegger of the immune system. And then after about college, probably a combination of they've already started to be exposed to some new germs in high school and college. They start to get a little bit flaky. They start to get their dad bods. They start to lose some of their muscle. They start to maybe have foods that aren't as healthy for them, or they start to imbibe too many toxins or alcohol or caffeine or other substances that sort of slowly lessen their body's response systems and their ability to adapt. And then they really start to um, stabilize throughout adult life. And then as we age, a lot of things in our physical body starts to break down, which sounds negative in a way, but I'd like to think about it as, as we get into that last third of life, we're not necessarily breaking down, but we're more of evolving into a less physically strong body and a more spiritually strong body, which we don't really have to dive into. But I like to think about people who get dementia or physically a little bit less strong. They're increasing their intellect, their wisdom, their connection to source, whatever you believe that is. And they're sort of shifting from a more physical being on this planet to a more community and spiritual focused being on this planet. Or at least I believe that's the way we were intended to live on this world. Oh, I like that thought. Okay, so our immune system as little kids is growing quickly. As we age, it's sort of getting worse. Can I say that? The immune system's decreasing? Yeah, it's not quite as strong, but it's still doing a great job for most everybody. Okay. And then, so we've talked about age, but what about genetics? Do genetics play a role in the strength of our immune system? 
genetics do play somewhat of a role in our immune system. However, for most people, 90 plus percent of our immune system comes from what we eat and how our gut flora looks. So it's really about, are we living clean lives? Are we looking at the ingredients in our food products? Are we, you know, giving ourselves really healthy food and nutrition to rebuild our bodies? And our immune systems are a function more so of allowing our body to get sick when appropriate and deal with that sickness in an appropriate way. There are ways in which you can shut down the immune reactivity, which sometimes eases symptoms, but actually can cause some immune system problems later on. A good example of that is getting a fever. So getting a fever actually helps your body to build more T cells, which is a part of the immune system. It's a certain type of cell in your body that helps create long-term immune defense, often for life against a certain invader, bacteria, virus, et cetera. So if you actually suppress the fever, you might feel better. You might risk the chance of very high fever that could cause you know, major problems, albeit that is rare, but you lose the benefit of what the body has been doing on its own for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, which is the fever helps our bodies remember that this is a worse type of invader. We're building more of an immune response against it. And our body is very smart. So it actually remembers when you've had something that's created a fever so that you aren't likely to get sick from it again. So it's a good example of trying to honor what the body tends to do and viewing what the body is doing as generally really good and doing what the best it can with what it's being given rather than viewing the body as malfunctioning and that symptoms are a problem. Modern medicine does tend to have that sort of slightly negative view of the body needs to be corrected or repaired or the symptoms or whatever disease state needs to be cut down and stopped rather than we need to allow the body to do what it's supposed to do and meant to do on its own while also helping people not feel as bad in the process. So common illnesses like colds, fevers, things like that can actually strengthen our immune system. Exactly. We're not always told that, but they can actually um, strengthen our immune system. And most people are being exposed and adapting to common colds and other viruses on a regular basis. And every year, everyone is pretty much exposed to the common cold and seasonal influenza viruses. Most of us don't have to get sick. We can just adapt without having major symptoms or illness or even fever, but we are constantly exposed to the different germs in the ecosystem. If you were to take someone's exposure for a whole year of all of the viruses that they were exposed to in just the square meter around their body for a whole year, there would be more viruses in that space than there are stars in the entire universe. Wow. That's incredible. So talking about being exposed, I'll just tell you this little thing. We tested our kids for antibodies for COVID and my son's antibodies actually tested really high. And they were like, oh, was he just recently sick with COVID? And we were like, no, he, not that we know of, has he had it because he's been healthy? And they were like, oh yeah, he just must have been exposed to it then. Yeah, that does happen quite often, especially to people with really healthy operating immune systems. It works a lot like the operating system on our phone. If you're really healthy phone, your operating system is healthy and you're a fairly new phone, you should be able to process whatever the software update is for that month or that year. So viruses in a way help our bodies to adapt our operating systems and viruses act a little bit like an upgrade to our phones. We get new software and new adaptations. Our DNA is about 9% viral. So if all viruses were bad for us, then we wouldn't even be here. And over half of our DNA has been modified by viruses. So they really do work like tinkering, improving our bodies, helping our bodies adapt our internal and external ecosystems. So it's good to remember that kids and other people can adapt to these viruses without necessarily having their phones shut down. That's a great analogy. So let's talk about the immune system and things that maybe can lower it. Are there things that can weaken your immune system? Definitely. So, and a lot of these are things that people can change. So different sort of toxins that you can put in your body, whether it's alcohol or other, you know, medications, some medications will weaken your immune system. Some different toxins will decrease the function of your immune system. 
a lot of inflammatory food will decrease your immune system. So whether that's fried food, um, not air fried, but like deep fried food, whether it's other inflammatory food, processed sugars, artificial um, dyes and things of that nature, um, inflammatory vegetable oils could be, you know, grain fed meat rather than grass fed meat. All the inflammatory foods will lower your immune system function. Um, there's also, I read an old study of any amount of our added artificial sugars or processed sugar over 10 grams will lower your immune system function for even up to 24 hours. There's also research showing that a decrease in sleep duration will cause a lowered immune function as well. So people who are chronically sleep deprived, whether that's from sleep apnea, which a lot of people don't realize they're having some snoring and they actually might have some minor sleep apnea or just people with insomnia. Um, and other mental health stress um, will not only lower your sleep, which will lower your immune function, but chronic stress states of anxiety and depression will for sure impact your immune function as well. There's a whole field of medical study. It's a little complicated, but it's called psychoneuroimmunology. It's basically the impact of your psyche and your nervous system on your immune's ability to function. So your thoughts really can impact your physical health. Wow, there's a lot of things that can affect the immune system. When you said many, 10, many things. When you said 10 grams of sugar, I sort of laughed because I'm like, uh, that's most of America then um, having is. issues with their immune system because the American Heart Association says to have less than what, 26, no, 24 grams of sugar a day. And that's hard for some people. So 10, that's crazy that that's affecting our immune system. And I think they were referring specifically to 10 grams in a specific drink or food, like added 10 grams of sugar to, let's say like a yogurt or added 10 grams into a sports drink or a Gatorade or something of that sort. Oh, that's so interesting. But it definitely helps to realize um, most Americans do for sure have issues with their immune system. But in general, you know, 99 plus percent of people are doing okay adapting to the current ecosystem of the germs that are spreading around. So it helps to remember that despite the fact that most Americans are probably compromising their immune systems with diet, with lifestyle, despite the fact that we have 70% of Americans who are categorized as being overweight, another 20% on top who have, you know, some high risk factors of heart disease. I think it's also good to remember that we are generally able to adapt, even if you have an old iPhone, even if your iPhone's been thrown in the toilet and it looks really healthy, but it's actually been waterlogged in the toilet a bunch of times, you still, almost everybody can still adapt to what's been going around the last year or two. I love your analogies. You're making it nice and easy Thanks. for us to all understand. So thank you. Um, okay. We talked about how food plays a role in the immune system with lowering it, but can nutrition play a role in like strengthening our immune system? Definitely. There's so many different components, vitamins, minerals, other bioflavonoids and things, biochemical compounds that really aid our immune system in functioning better. A lot of people think of taking pills for our immune system or taking, you know, vitamin supplementation, but it doesn't have to come from a supplement. It can also come from just the general food that we consume. If you eat the rainbow and you, or you eat seasonally, or you eat more organic food, or you eat local processed food, that all has tremendous benefit. Even something like sugar, we like to say sugar is bad, but local honey can help people with allergies because the pollen has um, some of the low doses of allergenic support in that area from grasses and flowers and things that the honeybees have pollinated. So a lot of really healthy food and sometimes supplementation um, can really help people build up their immune system, especially when you consider that the vast majority of our immune system comes from our digestive tract that relies on the pre and probiotics you feed it, whether that's probiotics in fermented sauerkraut and kimchi, whether that comes from prebiotics in bananas and apples. A lot of Americans could just do a little bit better with eating more. Well, not even Americans, people around the world could do a little better eating more fruits and vegetables and getting their, you know, six to nine servings in a day of those as a general recommendation because I believe there was research showing people who actually ate better during the pandemic had better immune responses when they were faced with dealing with, you know, the infection that's going around. Well, it makes sense because those foods, those whole foods are full of vitamins, minerals, I mean, antioxidants, all these things that are going to help nourish the body and heal the body, things like that. So that makes sense. I get asked though, quite often though, 
well, what supplements should I take to help strengthen the immune system? So I know we talked about food, but do you have favorite supplements to recommend to people or not necessarily? I mean, we really try not to have a one size fits all approach. However, there are some general recommendations that will help people. Most people would say vitamin D, especially vitamin D3 is quite helpful. And if you can find one that has some vitamin K2 in it, that's an ideal kind of like balance because the vitamin K helps vitamin D work better and healthy vitamin D levels are shown more than any other vitamin to help support the immune system, fight off different seasonal infectious agents. So for most adults, the amount to ask their doctor is if it's right for them is about 5,000 IUs or international units of vitamin D3. Some of the ones we've been generally recommending is a um, D3 5,000 with K by Metagenics. And just for like general, you know, cold, flu, um, the coronavirus is going around. There's a product source naturals called wellness formula, which is a good general immune multivitamin support. A lot of our patients for decades have been taking that when they feel a slight little like tickle or a little cold or something bug coming on when they're traveling, or they feel like they caught something on a plane. They find bumping that dosage up in tablet or capsule form is really helpful for them to kind of like push out different invaders. It's similar to a formula that's been around in Chinese medicine for hundreds and hundreds of thousands of years. And it's just really good, kind of like a general immune upregulation. Someone with an autoimmune disease sometimes will react negatively to that, but in a short-term side of things, most people will do really well with that type of product. So we generally recommend like an immune multi that like that as on a low dose that has some vitamin A, that has some zinc, that has some vitamin C or selenium or copper in it. Then vitamin D3 is good because a lot of people know D, zinc, and vitamin C. So those two, if we're going to just like simplify it down, are probably like the two general ones to do because the wellness formula also has a bunch of different herbs like echinacea and andrographis and astragalus and elderberry in it to also kind of act as a general immune muscle bolstering. So I take something like that as soon as I feel like a tickle in my throat or feel like an illness coming on. And I always tell people, if you like catch it immediately and provide those nutrients, you can sometimes nip it in the bud. Is that true? It's definitely true. It's most important to catch it right away because like a lot of the medications that are being promoted or not, or that have gotten politicized or not, if they're an antiviral replicator or the herb shows antiviral replication function, then you want to start them while the virus is replicating, which is often before you get symptoms and for the first day or so of symptoms. So if you can, if you start feeling just the hint of symptoms come on, then you're almost too late. So you really want to get on that within a, a day or two. So you want to have something ready, whether you get it from the store or you have, you know, whatever you believe in, whether it's this wellness formula, whether it's we use viruses by orthomolecular, whatever it is, whether it's echinacea or any other herbal blend or elderberry, you generally want to take that at the first sign of feeling sick. Because if you wait three days, you're going to miss the most optimal time to stop the virus from replicating. So it limits the number of foreign invaders or troops storming into your castle. It's a lot harder to kill 5 million invaders and a lot easier to kill 50. Okay, so that makes sense as to why... Well, I'll explain this. When in our house, if I get sick or someone gets sick, then I immediately start giving everybody supplements that I know can boost the immune system. And usually that helps. And usually it doesn't spread to the other kids if I start them immediately when someone else gets sick. So that makes sense as to what's happening. It's catching it while it's replicating. Yep. It's the most crucial time is that early stage. Okay. That's good to know. So I get asked quite often, like, how do I know if I have a low immune system or if my immune system needs strengthening? Are there symptoms or things that would show that someone has a not well immune system? So there's many different ways. One of the ways you could tell is if you struggle to get over colds or flus quickly. So if you're constantly getting sick or you're taking a long time to get over those things, that's a very good sign that your immune system is struggling. There's, of course, ways doctors can test through different labs or blood testing, whether it's your white blood cell or the types of white blood cells you have. They can also test your for your vitamin status, whether it's vitamin D or vitamin A in your blood. There's um, an alkaline phosphatase marker that tells you somewhat of how your zinc levels are doing. So there's different blood tests you can tell, but 
for the most part, you should be able to get over if you're under say like 60, 70 years old, you should be able to get over a common cold or flu within one to three days. And most people are laid out for a week or two. So that usually means that they're a little bit run down and that's, or their immune system is, you know, taking a little bit longer to adapt. And that's not always such a bad thing because if stress does lower our immune systems, one of the best to help our stress level is to take a break. So it's almost our body giving us our own resting vacation when we get sick as in terms of telling us like, Time to slow down, time to rest a little bit, maybe reconsider some things, have some introspection, um, be grateful for building your health and building your immune system while you're dealing with this illness. Really give yourself some time and space to heal, rest, and repair. So let's actually talk about stress because I feel like if I've done a big event or something that has caused a lot of stress or not enough sleep, I always catch a cold or get some illness. So why does stress affect the immune system? So stress is, there's good and bad stress. If we're going to break that down, there's what's called eustress and distress. And both can create inflammation, which if you have too much inflammation, like a flame or a heat or a fever, it can create more achiness in your joints, similar to people when they get like a flu type reaction, too much inflammation of any kind can create an internal disharmony that allows you to get sick. You're a little bit run down, your body's in that repair. You're trying to like repair some of that cellular damage that's happening from too much inflammation. But you stress is what we perceive to be good stress. And that's like having a big conference or a big event that you're super excited about or running a marathon or running a marathon is a lot of wear and tear on your body. It's a lot of, you know, breakdown and rebuilding. It's a lot of um, pressure on your bones and your joints and your muscles. And so that breakdown creates inflammation as well, but it can be perceived as a good thing. So our bodies actually can handle it better and it creates less inflammation and inflammation repairs faster. There's also distress stress, which is stress that we perceive to be negatively impacting us or that we don't approve of consciously or subconsciously. And that's stress like conflicts with our spouse, that's stress with maybe a kid who's struggling with a mental illness. That stress of not liking our jobs, that stress of being upset watching the news or, you know, fear of what the news is showing you or worry about getting your upgrade at work or getting promoted at work. So if we have part of stress is how we perceive it, because having a negative perception of stress actually creates more inflammation, which then lowers our immune system more than if we view our stress as a positive. It's like the people who go to work and are super happy are shown to in research to get sick much less often than people who are, you know, not in love with their job. They want to switch or they want, they're ready to quit. They're there just because they need the paycheck and they're ready to like flee and find something else as soon as possible. Those people are much more likely to get sick. And I think in a way our bodies are beautifully redesigning us when they get sick, when they have inflammation to reprogram ourselves, like I was saying before, to give us time and space to change. Inflammation is not necessarily a bad thing. It's our body redesigning itself and changing itself. It's the opportunity, whether it's on an emotional, spiritual level or physical level, to change your body for the better. Because it's really upgrading and process of evolution. That's what is happening when you have an inflammatory process in your body. So Stress is not always bad. It's our bodies adapting to change, whether that's change of I have to speak in front of 300 people or I have to talk to 300 people, whether that's change of I'm going into a really hot climate in the hot summer of Arizona desert, or I'm going into a really cold, you know, Antarctica type environment that can be a thermal stress on our body, but there, any type of adaptation to change is a stressor. So we're constantly having stress in our lives. But if we learn to view that stress in a positive, it helps our immune system. But even if we're viewing our lives in a toxic positivity where everything is great and there's no problems and everything's going super well. And yeah, I have no issues at all. And I don't need to go to the doctor. I'm super healthy. Like a lot of my older male patients, they still have stress because they're still adapting to changes at work. They're adapting to financial shifts in the market. They're adapting to their kids doing things, maybe a differing sleep schedule, a differing, they are adapting to the food that they have to eat for work meetings. And so their body still is adapting to physical, emotional, and biochemical stressors on a constant basis. But too many of those stressors, too many of those inflammatory changes will definitely affect our immune systems and create a window 
for us to get sick. As you said, after a big event, you might get sick. A lot of people get sick during or after big exams or big, you know, life events as well. So stress is, can be good for us. It's just when it becomes too much or we can't handle it correctly. Correct. Stress is really great for us if we can do it intentionally with a positive mindset and adapt appropriately to that stress. Okay. So then that's maybe where exercise comes in because exercise can be a stress, but exercise can also be great for our immune system. Correct? Exactly. Exercise is one of those things that's extremely beneficial for us physically, mentally, and biochemically with our immune system and our internal chemistry. So people who exercise on a regular basis or even get their 10,000 steps a day or get outside and get some healthy movement are much more well adapted to handle different external invaders with their immune system. So that's really good that people close their gyms during the pandemic when gyms are a great place to be. Ideally, everybody has a home gym or is able to get outdoors in warm enough weather or bundle up well enough and get some vitamin D, get some sunshine naturally and get some nice movement and exercise, whether they have some weights at home or they can lift some heavy books at home or they have a kettlebell. But a lot of people would do really well if they were able to go to a gym or exercise on a regular basis. That makes sense. So let me ask you about the gut and um, the immune system, because I feel like gut health is really trendy. Everybody is talking about it. So what does the gut health have to do with our immune system? Well, we have more non-human cells in our body than human cells, which is a little bit weird to think about. And our digestive tract has tons of what we would think of as like probiotics or good bacteria. We also have some bacteria and viruses and different forms of yeast or candida inside of our guts that are not as friendly. And it really works like a giant ecosystem, almost like a really big pond or big lake. And there's fish in there, there's worms in there that the fish are eating, there's turtles and frogs and birds and all sorts of different wildlife and animals that, but we just view our gut as this big pond and our whole body is really a big pond. But one of the ponds is our digestive tract. And we have tons of different little critters in there, I guess, so to speak. Most of them are helpful for us. The pond is still there. Some of them are maybe an invasive species. Like if we get a bug like C. diff, C. difficile or Clostridium difficile, which is a really tough type of a bug. It's sort of like you get a new form of algae or a new form of zebra mollusk that came to the Great Lakes in the U.S. and took out a lot of the algae, which messed up the fish beds and took out some other healthy, you know, pond life. It throws off the ecosystem. A lot of our immune system comes from the lymphatic tissue inside of our bodies. And we think of lymph nodes in our tonsils where we can see the tonsils unless they've been taken out. We think of lymph nodes when they swell under our neck, but we have tons of lymph nodes inside of our abdomen, inside of our bellies and our digestive systems in what's called the malt, which is the mucosal associated lymph tissue. And that's mostly alt lymphatic system and the mucosa associated lymphoid tissue is mostly inside of our intestinal tract. It's also in our nose, in part of our thyroid, it's in breasts, lungs, salivary glands, eyes, and skin. But the largest portion of it is in our digestive tract in something also called the um, Peyer's patches in the small and large intestine. So a lot of where we're processing um, these different external invaders is through what we eat and swallow in our food. And just by sheer quantity of lymphatic organ amount, most of that is inside of our digestive tract. So what we eat directly impacts the inflammatory burden of that lymphatic tissue inside of our gut. So basically if we eat something really healthy, our gut doesn't have a lot of inflammation, which is a good thing. And we generally don't get sick as often. If we eat a lot of processed food or a lot of sugar or a lot of refined stuff, or have a lot of ingredients that aren't things that you can even pronounce, then those chemicals or toxins or inflammatory foods start to activate those lymph nodes inside of our gut. And it's very simple sometimes, like even just when you lightly push on your abdomen, if your entire abdomen is a little bit sore and you can't even put, you know, you can't even get like up to your second knuckle into your abdomen and it's creating a little bit of pain or discomfort, that's a good sign if you're poking around in all of your abdomen that you might have a little bit too much inflammation because it's really easy to see lymph nodes when they swell under your jawline. It's a lot harder to see lymph nodes when they're swollen in your abdomen. 
But since so much of our immune system is related to that lymphatic tissue that's in our small and large intestine, it's critically important what we eat and that we should generally maintain a really healthy diet and lifestyle. And when you talk about healthy diet, you're talking eating whole foods and things from nature. Yes. Whole foods, things from nature, just general anti-inflammatory. When we talk about diets, whether if I were to say anti-inflammatory or alkaline or paleo or Mediterranean, everyone has their favorite diet of the day or diet of the year. And things go through trends, whether it's keto or carnivore or vegan or vegetarian. Well, vegan's not really a diet, it's a lifestyle. But those different forms of food choices all can have major benefits. But most of them, where they have their differences is fast, but most of them go towards whole foods, well-raised animals, or they go towards well-raised plants from really healthy soil. And they're mostly talking about eating real fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, um, grains, the way they used to be raised, not chemically altered, more natural whole food based diets. Right. Okay. So I love how you explained the gut and the immune system. So the lymphatic system plays a huge role in the immune system. So is there anything we can do to support our lymphatic system or it's mainly the good foods and water again? So movement and water are probably the most important things we can do for our lymphatic system. Muscle contraction is what moves the lymph tissue in your body. So if you're, they say sitting is the new smoking. So if you're sitting all day, you're not going to be moving your lymph tissue as much. So the muscles pump that lymph through your body. A lot of people talk about saunas or dry brushing, which can be very useful adjunct support in order to help your immune system. Sweating is really good for your immune system. So whether that's from exercise or whether it's from living in, you know, Phoenix or whether it's from popping in an infrared sauna, those are, or even a dry sauna, those are all helpful for your immune system because that water movement or the sweating helps excrete a little bit of toxins. It helps open your pores. It helps move your lymph fluid a little bit more. Um, and as well as dry brushing is a method of physically getting a brush to basically massage some of your lymph nodes, whether it's down from head down your neck into your torso, whether it's underneath your armpits, whether it's in your inguinal canal, you can just Google something as simple as dry brushing and find ways to basically help support your lymph system. But those things pale in comparison to getting movement and just hydrating. Oh, and that's so good to the know. number one thing is right. The number one thing is just don't aggravate something that's already working really well. So don't aggravate your lymphatic system with extra inflammatory foods or chemicals, and then just try to give it the basic things it needs, which is just movement and adequate hydration. Oh, that's really good to know. So I have a question for you. If sugar affects the immune system, stress affects the immune system, not moving affects the immune system. And this explains most of America. Why don't you think we're educating more about the immune system and how to strengthen it and support it? That's the really big question. And I don't have the direct answer, although I think we've been somewhat programmed into thinking that our health comes from an external source or a savior of sorts. And I think modern medicine is absolutely amazing. I have friends and family who are directly involved in surgery and the ER and saving people's lives and on some of the COVID hotlines, helping people. My own mother has been on the COVID hotlines, helping people decide whether to go to the hospital or not promotes the pandemic. And so there's this amazing miracle of modern medicine. And I think we've sort of accepted that we can live a lifestyle however we want. Like it, you can just live a very unhealthy or a sedentary lifestyle and modern medicine will come in and save you at the last second. And unfortunately, your immune system is not something that can be saved by an exterior source easily. There are medications that are antiviral replicators. There are tons of treatments that will save your life when you're in an acute crisis. But developing your immune system is like developing healthy, strong muscles. You can't just you know, take a pill and get a strong muscle unless it's, I guess, a steroid, and that's still going to have major consequences. So there's right. really no pill that we have yet or no injection that we have yet that can build strong muscles as a healthy immune system in the same way that a healthy sleep schedule, hydration, exercise, and diet and food intake can do. So I think we've been so conditioned in towards a pill being able to solve our suffering or help us with our suffering that everyone was kind of hoping for that easy out. They wanted that instant gratification of like, hopefully this pill or this injection can really 
you know, solve everything and be the miracle cure we've been looking for. And what we've realized is some of those things are miraculous, but they are not the be all end all magic bullet to end this weak immune system and the unhealthy diet and lifestyle that we have in our culture at this moment in time. I love that. We have to do our part as well. We've got to take accountability and work on our health and just not rely on something else to take care of it for us. So if someone is listening to this podcast and they're like, oh, shoot, I probably don't have the best of health or the best immune system, where do you suggest that they start? I think just the basics. And I think you can externalize, again, you can externalize the knowledge to someone else. You can go learn from Joshua Red, right? You can read his book or my book, or you can look at, follow the people on Instagram, like your account who are great at helping you find healthy foods. But I think you at the be all end all have your own solutions. So most people, when I'm lecturing, I'll give them a little just thing they could do right now on their phone or they could journal it or write this down. But they basically just think of three things that they could remove from their diet or their lifestyle or, you know, toxic people, toxic foods, toxic habits in their life that thing, things they could remove, whether it's less phone time, whether it's less time with their negative friend who always brings them down or whether it's less eating out at the White Castle, you know, and choosing something healthier at Whole Foods or, you know, the salad bar at Mariano's or Jewel or Dominic's, whatever grocery store you have. So I think we just have people like write down three things they could remove and three things that they could add into their life that would add benefit, whether that's structural and movement and exercise based, whether that's mental health things they could do for their mental health, whether that's things for their biochemical health through food, maybe they could eat a little more fruit or vegetables. And if you just write down three things that you could take away and three things that you could add, and then you just choose one good and one bad thing, one thing to add in, one thing to remove, your ego, because it is your ego and you can't really get rid of it, is going to end up doing that at some point. So just having that awareness where you write it down and you make, it's like basically like you're making a goal without realizing you're making a goal, you have the answer. So if you write down six things, most likely at least one of those six or two or three of those six things you'll start to do within the next coming weeks or months. So just awareness by itself, bring that up into your consciousness of like, wow, I could be doing something better. Those baby steps of habit stacking is what creates long lasting change. It's not diving in and making this huge lifestyle change. That's not really easy. And it's not something that you can sustain for a long period of time, but it's those slow habits over time that really start to impact people. A lot of people, when they start going to the gym, they also start drinking more water because they're thirstier. They also start eating better. So it could be just one little good goal and one little thing to remove that really changes your life forever. That's actually great advice. I love that. I always tell my listeners one little step at a time and all these little changes over time will add up to a healthy lifestyle. So I love that you'd say that. That's great advice about three things to add and three things to remove. Thank you so much for being here on the show today. I really appreciate you taking the time. Tell my listeners where they can find you and where your book is and things like that. So they can find me on Instagram. It's at drdr.bradleycampbell. And they can also find my book on Amazon. It's an ebook and print book called Do I Have Adrenal Fatigue by Dr. Brad Campbell. And then they can also find me at www.campbellcaremembership.com. So we just launched a new membership platform that's helping people get healthier. And in the next six to 12 months, we're hoping to have it funded as well by my nonprofit organization so that people who are lower income or students can also have free access to some great healthcare education. Oh, that's awesome. I saw you advertise it the other day. So tell my listeners maybe just a little bit about that online community that you're making. So we're basically releasing a called like a foundations of health course. So more than this, like add in three things, remove three things. It's a way for people to get educated on what is their body? What comprises their health? What are these organs and tissues in their system? How do they start to analyze how healthy they are or are not and improve on those things? So it's more of a primary course to assess and start to get your own life much healthier it also includes discounts on supplements. We have lab testing coming soon. We have a community app that's available for right now. It's for Apple. It's coming soon for Android and it's online. So we have basically a community of people who are uh, 
I'm going to be meeting in person a couple times a year. We're also talking to each other in terms of like helping each other heal as a community that way. We're creating monthly courses, new courses coming out every month that are helping people heal from Hashimoto's or heal from irritable bowel syndrome or heal from adrenal fatigue or heal from chronic mold illness. So we have a steady stream of content that comes out that's um, available for people. And then all of the videos that I've been doing in the last two years, we've been putting out daily video content and a bunch of weekly Q and A's in terms of health topics. That's also available to our members on a searchable platform. So anything that I've ever said on any video, you can search through the captions. So if you're wondering about eczema, or you're wondering about, you know, a wart on your foot, you can type in wart and it'll pull up every video that ever contains that or every article that ever contains that. So you can start to find some answers for other health conditions as well. What a great resource. Wow. That is amazing. People can learn a ton from that. Thank you for doing that. I know that will really benefit people and their health. I always end my podcast by asking my guests what they have found to be the best ingredient in life. What would you say it is? So it's more of a symbolic ingredient, but I really like vitamin F, which I always talk about as vitamin fun. Oh, <laughs> and I there think- you go. We can never really forget about having fun in life. So many of my patients come in and they're working their jobs, they're, do, they're a parent or they're a student, and very rarely do we start to prioritize fun and play and joy in our lives. And a little, I also do part-time like stand-up comedy as a side hobby. And I think it's something that we've definitely been missing the last two years is a little bit just more lightheartedness and fun and play. So if I would like leave people with any ingredient to add in their life, it would just be a little more fun and play. I love that. When you said vitamin F, I was like, what in the world is he talking about? I'm like, what have I missed in all my learning? Um, so I love that fun can definitely be added to a healthy lifestyle for sure. And actually, it's probably something I need to work on a little bit. <laughs> I get wrapped up in work and everything. I, I'm going to say I need some more vitamin F when I go home to my family. We're going to go do something fun. Like, what are you talking about? Be like, I don't know, but we're going to have a good time. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. And I know the listeners have learned a lot about the immune system. I hope they realize how important it is and how much they actually can affect their own immune system by what they eat and their lifestyle. So thank you again for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Carolyn. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to subscribe to the Just Ingredients podcast to learn more about your health and good ingredients to life. Plus, get daily tips at just.ingredients on Instagram.